liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Today I had on Marty Bent. He is a Bitcoin extraordinaire, specialist, if you will. And uh, I love having on people who are smarter than me in certain areas so that I can bounce my ideas off them, fine tune them. And I did that today, big time. Uh, Marty is brilliant. I think you're going to absolutely love this interview. Before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsor for tonight's show, and that is Young Americans for Liberty. If you are interested in becoming an election coordinator, which means you get your your foot in the door of politics in America and on a liberty path, which is the best part. They are the front lines for liberty on YAL, that's Young Americans for Liberty, endorsed deployments. Election coordinators will flood the district for an authentic liberty candidate through grassroots door knocking. This is not a volunteer position. This is an opportunity to dive headfirst in the political action world, serve as real field staffer, meet lifelong friends, and travel the country. Each election coordinator will deploy in an assigned district, serving on location and meeting real people every day. Training will be conducted on site, and team members will work with a partner to achieve their goals. Election coordinators are provided, get this, up to $2,800 a month starting pay, not bad, plus 100% free housing, now we're talking, plus gas reimbursement. Boom, 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 let's go. We want to ensure we have the best talent pool possible, and that is why they are electing pro-liberty candidates and they are willing to do what it takes to ensure that they win. If you're ready for the experience, apply at yaliberty.org forward slash knock. That's YA, like young Americans, yaliberty.org forward slash K-N-O-C-K. The link is in the description. If you are serious about looking into this, check it out today, yaliberty.org forward slash knock. Let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. I am thrilled today to have on my my guest of the hour, perhaps longer, Mr. Marty Bent. Thank you for coming in, sir. Clint, uh, thank you for having me on. This is the uh, the beauty of Twitter. You have intermingling of podcast streams coming together as uh, individuals who listen to your show and mine and say, hey, you two need to talk. So I'm happy that I know I, I, I love the overlap, man. I, and I find that those are usually the best recommendations, too, because people go, Man, I, I love both these shows. Like if you guys, if these worlds could combine, I'm telling you, you set the world on fire. So we'll see if they're right. Um, so you you are a uh, a Bitcoin guy or a Bitcoiner, to put it uh, as gently as possible. Uh, go ahead and tell people a little bit about your background. Yeah, uh, so I have a bit of a meandering path. I am 30 years old. I was a child of the great financial crisis in 2008. Uh, I was in high school, senior year taking an elective economic class and my professor was like uh, i went to an all boys school he's like gentlemen this is really fucked up you should pay attention to this uh this part of the world when you go to college so i took that advice went to college studied economics with the mindset of like know your enemy i had a really bad taste in my mouth after reading through the tarp bill and seeing all the bailouts and all the uh grift in the banking sector specifically uh, and so, yeah, studying economics in college, I went to college in Chicago, wound up working at a, a managed futures fund where we traded current commodities and um, financial markets and 
Part of the trading strategy involved currencies, so I had to follow central bank policy while I was there. I was working during college, and um, while I was working at the fund, I was like, these central bankers really don't know what they're doing at all. And I found Bitcoin at some point during that period as well. And Bitcoin, uh, I, I was just like openly receptive to it almost immediately, so I fell pretty hard down the rabbit hole in 2013. Uh, I left finance in 2014, studied tech design and software stack stuff and eventually later in life around 2017 i worked at barstool sports uh, where i started my podcast tftc about bitcoin trying to help educate people about bitcoin so that started in september 2017 started a newsletter before that about bitcoin uh when the price was running up in 2017 i was the uh, the bitcoin guy in my family and friends group and they were like what the hell's going on i was like i'll start this newsletter um, to help teach you guys all at once instead of texting you individually. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so newsletter took on a life, it's life of its own, landed me at Barstool, started a podcast there. I was never officially associated with Barstool, but I would sneak into their studios and record. And then, yeah, I've been doing this for, it's crazy to think almost five years now. Uh, next week will actually be the five-year anniversary of the newsletter. And so I've carved out a nice little niche in the, the media space here in Bitcoin. And then... Um, I, I, I'm also a venture partner at a fund dedicated to investing in companies building out Bitcoin infrastructure and uh, I'm in, in the Bitcoin mining world as well. I love it. Well, so you said that you uh, essentially discovered this stuff. I, I was also a product of the Great Recession, uh, but I was actually, I'm a little bit older, so I was already in the, the working world and working as a mortgage broker. So I got to witness the, uh, you know, the destruction uh, the financial destruction that came with it. I was responsible for liquidating over 100 foreclosed properties uh, for my family's mortgage company. And then I started my own mortgage company once uh, my dad was just basically <laughs> bro broken emotionally from the turmoil. Uh, so I started my own company. And uh, and then when the lockdowns happened, I, I retired and I started to rail against the lockdowns. But I've I've been, a, you know, I'm a second gentleman libertarian. So I'm, I'm very, um, I've been open to the idea of Bitcoin and obviously hard money my entire life. Uh, I, I just was a late adopter because I couldn't wrap my mind around the electronic nature of it. Uh, so that that's, that's my path here. Um, so you said that you discovered uh, much of this while you were in college during the Great Recession. Did you have any Austrian economics uh, background to, to make Bitcoin appealing or did it just strike you as logical? Uh... Bitcoin led me to Austrian economics. What really hooked me in the Bitcoin was the decentralization of the network and the fact that mm -hmm. these centralized uh, entities, central banks, couldn't control the money supply. I, I think intuitively I had this idea that like somebody centrally planning a monetary system didn't work. I didn't have the Austrian background yet, but when I saw Bitcoin, I was like, these evil bankers can't fuck with this. And just intuitively... That's what drove me toward it originally. And then diving down the rabbit hole, learning about how Bitcoin, the network works uh, in terms of a distributed peer-to-peer -peer cash system and understanding the technical details of that eventually led me to, I think my first um, touch with Austrian economics was the Nakamoto Institute, which was started by uh, Pierre Rochard and Michael Goldstein. Uh, and they were writing a bunch of Austrian focused content on Bitcoin. And then they also aggregate a lot of uh, traditional Austrian content sourced mainly from the Mises Institute.
Yeah. Oh, Mises Institute is great. Well, that I, I find that fascinating because, you know, as someone who discovered Bitcoin because of my Austrian economics background, the people that find Austrian economics because of the Bitcoin path is is just great news to me. You know, it just makes me feel so good that um, people are, are finding this path through actual productive capacity, you know, as opposed to just the intellectual. They're like, well, this this is a uh, this is a good technology. Well, why does it work? And then they they explore it and they kind of come to their own conclusion or or they start to go down this path. It's really beautiful. So I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, from an old school finance guy's perspective, well, the the turmoil in the, the crypto space uh, looks like a just a liquidity crunch. Is that your read of things or is there, you know, fundamentals that are changing with any of these assets? I mean, obviously, I think some of the shit coins out there are, are getting washed out because they were crap products. But uh, Bitcoin, uh, I think, is just a liquidity crunch that's adjusting the price. Is there a different read on that? Yeah, I mean, I think Bitcoin is certainly part of the recent downward price pressure. I, I think you can certainly lay some blame on the Luna Terra blow up where they acquired 80,000 Bitcoin and were forced to liquidate that. Obviously that has, um, well, significant. Oh, that puts a lot of pressure on the <laughs> price, but I actually think the greater driver price is the, the traditional financial markets where you have this credit crunch that you're describing and there is some exposure to Bitcoin um, in the traditional financial sector. And when people get margin called and they need to find liquidity, Bitcoin is, one of the most liquid assets on the planet being that it trades 24 7 365 and so right. people need to load up their margin in other areas of the financial system dumping uh, a very liquid asset like bitcoin allows them to do that rather quickly so i wouldn't be surprised if that contributed to the recent uh, downward price pressure but yeah at the end of the day this is nothing new in bitcoin i've been around since 2013 and these volatile price movements are, are i'm pretty much numb to them at this point <laughs> are you are you the the maximalist type that's trying to get all of your ass assets into bitcoin or are you still a diversifying holder uh i mean yeah i'm a maximalist but i'm a I'm, i like to think i'm a realist right like at the end of the day sure. knowing austrian theory like when you have a free market for money the market will tend toward uh, the best money in that market, and that is Bitcoin. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I had lucky to have a business in this media entity that's very cash flowing, and you know, all my savings and invest, I don't invest in stocks or shit coins or anything like that. All, all my majority of my net worth is in Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm. I would like to be in your position. I'm majority in real estate right now, and I'm trying aggressively to exit <laughs> because I, I, I think that we are um, either at the top or very, very near it. And uh, the increasing interest rates, I think, are eventually going to trickle into real estate that you've already seen a decrease in new home sales. And I think that it'll, it'll hit the broader market, especially if the Federal Reserve intends to follow through with their plan to hike rates, you know, three more half points throughout the remainder of the year. I just, I don't think people understand uh, how leveraged the real estate market is and, and how meaningful that is, they still say, well, you know, historically, a 2% Fed funds rate would be unbelievably low. It's like, yeah, but this is a historic bubble. You know, we, yeah. you have starter homes that are going for a million bucks in many cities. And it's like, that's not sustainable for anybody that has to pay a 7% interest rate. Uh, 
I, I don't know if you even pay attention to real estate much. If you're in Austin, you already know the market has been on fire. Uh, do you have any uh, predictions for us on that? No, it's insane. Uh, I hate, I, I don't like to make predictions. Let's just be descriptive. It's just just now, arm, armchair like analysis, not a prediction. Well, like the print, the print today was is very telling when it came in like 536,000 new home sales last month versus the estimated 715. So that's a big miss. Uh, and there was like 750,000 sales this month last year. So it seems like real estate's slowing down. What I think I actually wrote about this in my newsletter a couple of weeks ago is with the lockdowns of 2020, obviously you had the supply chains locked down, you had the Fed turn on the money printer, you had the treasury helicopter dropping money in people's bank accounts. And so you, you had this weird situation where supply chains ground to a halt and that has the lagging effect of that is really coming home to roost right now with rising commodity prices and um, food and fuel specifically. And right. so costs have gone up. And back then in 2020, when the lockdowns happened, people weren't able to operate throughout the economy as they otherwise would. So they dumped a lot of their disposable income into stock markets and real estate. And the newsletter I wrote a couple of weeks ago highlighted a couple of anecdotal data points of people who leveraged their stock portfolios as collateral to take out mortgage loans. They went into lockdowns, like I wrote a newsletter that basically said, hey, we're doing not exactly what the Weimar Republic did, but something very similar. And like the thing was very similar from a mechanism standpoint. And so where it stands today is like, yeah, the supply chains are still fucked, um, especially with what's going on. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a Paul Volcker in the wings that's gonna hike rates to 20% to really break the back of inflation. Um, no, and that structurally they can't, I think mathematically they can't raise it. Up. Well, uh, I agree with you there, but my, my thought was, couldn't they just monetize the debt at that point or monetize the payments? They already are at point in the next year or two in terms of coming to grips with the fact that we fucked up our economy to a high degree and it needs somewhat of a resetting that does not involve the central planners. Um, yeah, I wish. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think people, it's a very, this is a very doomer conversation right now, but I'm actually extremely optimistic. Bitcoin being around, being one of the, the biggest drivers of my optimism. And then uh, there's a lot of grassroots movements, particularly in the, the farming sector, the cattle ranching sector that are beginning uh, to take, uh, to take form that I think there's a lot of there's a lot happening in parallel right now that can help soften the uh, the blow in the future um like one sure. thing we have down here in texas is that's starting as the beef initiative where there's a group of people uh seeing what's coming and they're really trying to harden uh the businesses of local ranchers and connect ranchers with consumers directly um right and so that allows uh, individuals to bolster cattle ranchers and let them do what they need to do so that they can continue to feed us. Um, and I, that's one thing that's happening in parallel that gives me a lot of optimism. I think Bitcoin mining, particularly how it's invigorating the energy sector, particularly oil and gas here in the United States is another silver lining or a beam of optimism that's happening in parallel to this shit show uh, at the federal government and central bank layer um, that, that will help soften the blow at some point in the future. 
that's still going to be a pretty significant blow, but I do think there are people building uh, outside of the system that, that will, if not save, I don't think it's going to save it outright, but it will prove that there are models that exist where we can rebuild without the central planners. Yeah, well, and with a complacent society, you kind of need pain to get back to growth mode or like a preparing planning mode. And I think that we're we're feeling pain for the first time in many people's adult lives, and and they're going to have to adjust. Um, I remember about a year ago, my buddy Jake, who uh, holds the the Childerberg event, which is out in Texas, and and he was he was telling me he just bought like half a cow, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so stories like that give me hope, you know, people are, are thinking ahead. I mean, of course, and he's a Bitcoiner like yourself. So he's any, anybody in this sphere is, um, I think far more prepared, far more in the know as to the unsustainability of the people that, you know, preach sustainability, the, the world economic forum folks. Um, so yeah, any, anyways, back to the, uh, the question that I had earlier about, you know, ignorance or malice, um, it just seems to me so like like you even brought up the fact that they were talking about uh you know Weimar. It's like, well, if you know about Weimar, why the fuck are you repeating anything that they're that they did to get them in that situation? That's not exactly uh, an economic model that people bring up as like this is what you do during crisis. Um, but that's what we did during lockdowns. And then uh, on top of that, you know, we have the potential for a, a dual front nuclear war with uh, with Russia and China. Uh, it just it just seems to me as if i mean either either our leadership in in america in particular has been acquired by foreign forces or they or they're just so out of their fucking minds that they or or they're just power mad or they're just financial interests that own them i don't i don't have any i mean or all of the above do you have a, a leaning as to like why why are they i mean you have joe biden is shutting down oil drilling on federal lands in the first day of, of, of office and you just have all of these things that add up to like it just seems impossible that it's just flat out ignorance it seems as if they're trying to implement the great reset and where they force us off of oil and gas and into renewable energies and um i, I don't know I, I just can't help but go the alex jones route on this Today's episode is also brought to you by my friend mikhail thorup he's been on the show he's the expatriation guru brilliant guy this is for expat money summit and it is an event where they're going to have 30 experts that are focused on moving your life, business, and wealth offshore. And if things fall apart, you're really going to want to know about this. And it's free to attend. No excuses. ExpatMoneySummit.com. You can reclaim your freedom from chaos and uncertainty. Topics will include at that event how to secure your own Plan B safe haven, how to use foreign currencies, offshore banking, and decentralized finance to safeguard your money, how to legally reduce your tax burden, how and where to safely store gold, silver, and other precious metals, where the best countries are in the world to find freedom for yourself and your family, how you can get a second passport to travel the globe without restrictions and get in and out of different countries' borders. You will also learn about a libertarian island haven, private cities, communities on the ocean, and food and energy independent towns in Latin America. All sounds great to me. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com. This is your way to fight back against what is happening in the world. Stand up, protect yourself, and find out how to secure your new life abroad. Register now for free, no excuses, expatmoneysummit.com. I hope to see you guys there. I mean, I often get called Marty Jones on my show because I <laughs> have these fits and, and runs where I, no, I, I have back and forth. Like, it really doesn't matter. I, could, I, I mean, I can make the, like, I do 
I, there is a reality in my mind where there is a lot of malice behind it, where it's uh, driven by psych, psychotic Malthusians who think there should be 800 million people on the planet and they're right. architecting an economy in a way that's going to lead to loss of life so they can uh, decrease the population on the planet. I mean, and there's plenty of evidence throughout history, particularly in the last 30 years, of these people all openly talking about depopulation and the need to decrease the population. Um, but then on top of that, like Joe Biden's our president. He's completely incompetent. Uh, he's an idiot. Maybe is there are puppet masters behind him. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't think strings. he has much to, much to say with what we're doing, no, honestly. He doesn't even know where he is. But um, <laughs> uh, we that, that's why I like Bitcoin so much is like we can argue malice or incompetence until we turn blue in the face it's like all right what my whole perspective has shifted toward particularly in the last few years with lockdowns is it's happening who cares if it's incompetence or malice like let's just recognize that it's happening and just build right. things that fight against that trend and i think bitcoin's one of those again going back to the ranchers um and strengthening them is a is a good way to do that and just like fight back and build against whatever they're building whether it's driven by malice or incompetence um i think getting bogged down in the debate um just in the long run could waste time when we could be building things like bitcoin and getting bitcoin into more people's hands where that i mean that's one thing i say on my show a lot is like fix the money fix the world like it all comes down to money the pe these people can only either be incredibly incompetent or incredibly malicious because they have control of the money which is the most important tool we use as right. humans. And... So we might as well strip them of that. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's like not your keys, not your coin, not your cow, not your beef. <laughs> you, know, like yeah. you better, you better just become completely uh, autonomous. Um, it's, it's just amazing to me because I, I, you know, as a long time libertarian, you know, I, I knew this wasn't sustainable, but I just, I just didn't think that it would come when I was still a relatively young man. You know, I, I just, I, I always imagined, yeah, this will probably fall apart in 30 years, but like we've got some time. And it's like, I don't think we have time anymore. I think that's that's the thing that that has launched me into, you know, activism and a, a willingness to speak out and basically shift my entire life's path is just just an urgency, um, just a realization that like I don't have time to stack more chips in the the old school money manager game. Uh, I have to start to wake people up and and start to get people to look after themselves and start to get people to move into, you know, ide ideologically similar territories. Uh, New Hampshire immediately comes to mind. Obviously, Texas and Florida have some semblance of freedom culture. It's uh, it's it's still, you know, even though I've kind of come to terms with it, it's still hard for me to let go of the idea of a United States, you know, and and to try. Like I, I guess I'm as as black pilled and jaded as I am. I, I still I'm a bit of a bleeding heart where I'm just like, no, we can come back together. Like we can, we can heal this divide. And <clears throat> honestly, I don't think so anymore, but I still, I still hold on to that hope. Like I don't want, I like, I, I want to be able to have a conversation with people of different uh, political beliefs and, and uh, you know, not have them just think that I'm like some white supremacist because <laughs> I think money should be sound, you know, it's like, but that's, that's kind of where we're at. And I, and I really think that it's inevitable that the United States breaks up and we end up in our own, you know, ideological kind of territories. Um, 
Do well, you do you have any opinion on that? Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I think we we're already started with the lockdowns. I mean, I'm in Texas, you're in Florida. Why do we end up in these places? Because we noticed exactly. that states were asserting their rights again, which is the way the country was founded and it should work. I think this is actually a good thing. Um, it can be seen as tumultuous and a bit chaotic, but at the end of the day, this is how it should work. And we should right. have a diversity of options uh, within the United States of, of people being able to congregate and, and live where they find their values are most aligned. And um, I think what DeSantis is doing in Florida and what not so much Greg Abbott, but just Texans in general are doing down here are really reinforcing like, hey, we're a sovereign state. We're going to operate the way we think is right. And like, if you don't like that, you don't have to come here, but just leave us alone. We're going to do right. what we think is best for, for our citizens. And I, I, I want to see that trend increase. Um, and that's another thing I think Bitcoin can help with. That's one thing in the mining industry. I'm very passionate about bringing to fruition is this idea of Bitcoin mining permanent funds where states that have a lot of excess electricity at utilities or have a lot of stranded energy in the form of things like natural gas can tap into those resources, mine Bitcoin with it, and then roll that into a permanent fund uh, that a lot that basically allows them to operate without the need for federal funding. Um, and I, I've never I've never heard the term permanent fund. What's that mean? Uh, so the, I mean, the most famous model of a permanent fund is the Alaska permanent fund where their oil and gas industry, a lot of the, uh, um, a lot of the state owned assets, a portion of those revenues get rolled into this fund that allow Alaska state to, to fund itself off of those revenues. Oh, that's that's gotcha, why you'll gotcha. often find, you'll, you'll hear like the, you'll hear the trope, like yeah, Alaska will pay you to go there. Like they'll give right. you like a $2,000 stipend that comes from their permanent fund. Yeah, it's basically um, a UBI, but based yeah. off of the, the resources of the state. Yes, exactly, the particular state. And so I think uh, my money's on Wyoming doing this because Wyoming is very conservative. They would rather fire teachers than raise taxes, and they have a shit ton of stranded natural gas. And I think they're very forward when it comes to writing policy that's favorable towards Bitcoin. Um, I think there's an incredible opportunity for them to really bolster their economy. They already have a, a, a sovereign fund in um, Wyoming, but I think it can be hypercharged with like Bitcoin mining. You just issue a muni bond that allows you to buy Bitcoin miners and you partner with a Bitcoin mining operator will come in and actually like operate the, uh, the mining equipment. And then the state will take their portion and roll it into this fund where they can then fund whatever they need to fund within the state. Um, and the federal government is interesting. comes and says, hey, you want our money? I say, actually, we don't need it. Um, and That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo I love that idea. Um, well, let's get let's get totally blackpilled here uh, I, and talk about um, you know personal defense. It, it seems to me that if you do go the route of autonomy and having your own your own farms, your own money system, uh, a permanent fund for the state, uh, a rejection of federal demands a rejection of federal funds you could potentially if we don't i mean the, the the main reason i continue to focus on federal level politics at all is because i'm very concerned about you know complete societal collapse in which case you could have a situation where you have the farmers in south africa that get you know taken off their land and murdered you get the kulaks in ukraine uh it's it historically even if you are the one that prepares oftentimes if you are the one that prepares uh you are 
in jeopardy. And, and I, I fear that in America, you know, that, that you'll have these communities that are self-sustaining, but if you also don't have almost a militaristic bent where you can, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, Marty, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that you may not be able to defend yourself from, you know, marauding, starving people or, or the U S federal military. And I know that sounds completely insane, but I'm, I'm going, you know, maybe 10 years, 20 years down the road here. Uh, is that, is that a concern? I mean, how can, how can we actually ensure that even if we do become self-sustaining, we have our own food and things like that, that we can hold on to it? Well, obviously the second amendment is very important, um, and something that we should protect at all cost. And yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm sitting 40 miles away from Waco where the ATF came and just firebombed and killed children. a bunch of children and men and yeah. women because they wanted to live, uh, autonomously outside of the purview of the state. Uh, and that's, so how do we protect ourselves from that? at a larger scale, I think it's very important what you're doing and I'm doing a TFTC. We're in the middle of a narrative battle. Like we have to win hearts and minds. And, and that's the beauty of the digital age, particularly with podcasting and how distributed this medium is in terms of being able to get into as many hands as possible in an open source fashion way is, is imperative. Like it, not only are we uh, in a battle of uh, trying to acquire resources and, and secure ourselves um, at the resource level, at the commodity level, but at the information level, we have to arm others with this information. So I, I'm actually, again, shit is very dark right now. Uh, uh, well, you can, I'm, I'm very black-pilled at, at times, but uh, sure, I'm also very white-pilled where it's like, hey, we have <laughs> the means to distribute information and change minds. And I think it's actually happening. I think people are starting to wake up. Um, and realize as, no they doubt. as they go hungry and as they can't uh, fill their gas tanks, like, all right, something's wrong. And um, CNN and MSNBC and uh, the White House press secretary have been telling me things, whether it's Trump or Biden, uh, that just have not come true. Like, maybe it's time I go seek out other sources. Let's go hear what these crazy Bitcoiners and liberty-minded people are talking about. <laughs> no, you're, you're totally right. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's... That's probably the the main reason that I continue to speak to a broader audience is that, you know, I I even though I think that I'm resourceful enough that I could probably survive whatever comes, you know, up until full on like North Korea style uh, totalitarianism. Um, I think that that's that's the main reason I continue to speak to a broader audience is I I want I want to have as many people wake up as possible and ultimately I think our odds increase of prevailing and and you know succeeding. If, if we have say 10% or 20% of the population, or, you know, God willing, we get up to 40 or 50% of the population, uh, I think that we might actually be able to survive the, the unwinding of the U S empire and the U U S uh, dollar reserve status and all, all, all of that, that has kept us afloat much longer than we probably should have been. Um, but it's just, it's just scary, man. It's just scary to, to imagine that like, that's, that's, if it's not in my lifetime, it's certainly in my children's lifetime. And I'm just trying to make sure that, that, uh, we can get to that without <laughs> full, full Armageddon. I mean, you have, uh, there's this, there's this kind of like religious revivalism that's, that's happening lately. And I think, you know, part of it's good. I, I think part of it is a, a culture and a society that's fallen too far away from, I don't even know if I would say God, but is, uh, you know, kind of like productive moral lifestyles and, and people are finding, 
that to be appealing because they they realize that their their trajectory in life isn't doesn't feel good it's not fulfilling um but at the same time that that unfortunately is paired with a lot of like armageddon uh you know doomsday type <laughs> conversations with these the more uh religious fundamentalist type people and and i don't you know I, i'm i'm one of those people that can't embrace that because i just i'm not religious so I, I can't embrace like let everything fall apart i believe in god he'll come and save me so <laughs> like i i have to continue to prepare and plan and um do you have any religious background i, I don't know if that's too personal to talk about I don't don't feel necessary to no no i don't mind at all yeah i grew up catholic um and i'm like sub 30 and i have your typical catholic trajectory for people my age and it's not typical maybe it's not but uh in recent years i i, I have a two-year-old son i have a second child on the way any week now Congrats. and thank you um and having children it's like oh shit like uh, like you said like i want to build a better world for them and um i think i <coughs> have turned back toward Christ more recently where the whole diddling thing in the Catholic church really turned me off um, from sure. the whole concept of like religion and Catholicism uh, at a young age. I grew up in Philadelphia where that scene was particularly bad. Um, and so college, yeah, it was maybe at one point I consider myself atheist, but yeah, like you said, like you just look at the culture it is a bit demonic and, and <laughs> it really is <laughs> and there's a lot of heathens out there um that are just le leading this hedonistic lifestyle and uh, i personally have felt this draw back towards maybe not the catholic church but towards like jesus and his message sure. which i think was a good message i think the ten commandments are good yeah. i think uh the message of of being uh, if you actually read the bible like self-sustaining uh, is important like having responsibility self-responsibility is important i've turned more towards that as i've grown a family and yeah and like to your point too I, there are those fundamentalist christians who really believe in like uh, the rapture and right. uh, the day of de judgment coming but there's also like another view uh, of christianity where like the rapture or, like judgment is basically people waking up and god basically like telling us via that deep feeling we have in the pit of our stomachs that something's wrong that just naturally drives us to to course correct and that's what i tend to believe and again i think bitcoin i mean there's many theories about bitcoin particularly as a tool one that's fun uh one theory rabbit hole that's fun to fall down is like is bitcoin actually an act of god of like a tool given to us by an anonymous individual nobody knows who they are it was just dropped on the internet one day and it is a tool that can help us right a lot of the wrongs in the world. And that's something I uh, like to think about a lot. It's like, yeah, maybe this this is a, God intervening in our uh, modern the, the, lifestyle. Yeah, the, the lore behind Bitcoin certainly reminds me of, you know, biblical type things. <laughs> you, know, you, yeah. have, you have a prophet. You, you don't know who he is or where he went. <laughs> it's like, well, that sounds kind of similar. Um, uh, I, I have no I have no, yeah. no horse in this race, and I and for the record, I'm not I'm not atheist. I, I I just I'm just not a structuralist religious person that believes in the church necessarily. I I, I certainly believe I've I've done enough hallucinogens to think that there's something <laughs> above this mortal coil, uh, but I just have no idea what it is, and I try not to put a label to it. Um, but at the same time, I also don't believe in, uh, you know, revelations and the fact that there someone's going to come down and save me last minute before World War Three pops off and. Uh, I guess that's that's a natural pivot here. It, 
Um, I mentioned earlier about the potential for a dual front nuclear war. You have politicians that are, uh, Adam Kissinger came out yesterday and, and was tweeting or quote tweeting uh, the, uh, the UN representative for Russia, where he was saying nothing about America. And Kissinger quote tweets and goes, yeah, well, I'm celebrating the death of you know, 20,000 Russian soldiers and, and uh, 20 generals or something like that. It was just uh, un, just unbelievable. Ab like, absolute, like I, I still, even as I recount it to you now, I can't believe that we have politicians that are doing things like that. They just sent, you know, 53 trillion or whatever it is, or billion rather, um, to the Ukrainian military, which is more year to date than Russia has been on the war itself. Um, it's, it's crystal clear to me that this is a proxy war. Uh, and, and by our standards, if it were happening in the inverse, it would be crystal clear that Russia was at war with us. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, it's crystal clear that by doing what we're doing and the fact that we haven't gotten to a hot conflict with Russia is strictly to the, uh, the praise of Putin. I, and as crazy as that sounds, I, I really believe that if it were happening, if the shoe was on the other foot, we would be, we would be bombing Russia right now. So the fact that he's not bombing uh, UN territory is just obvious to me that this guy doesn't want it to escalate to that level. Uh, do you have any opinion on this? I, I know I threw it a lot at you there. No, I mean, I think I completely agree. Could you imagine the response if Russia had military bases in Canada? Like, it's like, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, again, that's, but we already saw what, what we did with Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's, and again, it goes back to, just recognize these people are crazy. They're psychopathic. They're kleptocratic. Um, and we need to, like, that's why your show is very important. I think my show is very important. Like, getting these alternative views of the U.S. empire out there, like, which is hard. People, like, say you're anti-American, you're, you're uh, pro-Putin. But it's like, hey, I'm just trying to be objective here yeah. and take the I'm facts. I'm anti-nuclear war, actually. Yeah. I'm pro-human. Like I'm like I hate all of you. Yeah. <laughs> Just leave us alone. I hate all um, you lizard fucking people. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it is scary because he's and then that's the scary thing to think about too is like when you actually aggregate the number of people who are making these decisions out of eight billion people on the planet, it's a very 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 small number of yeah. individuals who are driving it's like all a couple this, thousand, <laughs> which is extremely frustrating. Um, yes, considering that they have uh, an undue impact on billions of us. And again, this is why I, I just like to laser focus on Bitcoin because I think um, they're going to try to do what they're doing. They're not, I don't think us speaking to them is going to convince them to course correct at their level. And so we just have to take their power away by stripping them of the money printer. Um, and yep. uh, that I... I and, and we're seeing great like sh little examples of this beginning to like shine through in the mainstream like bitcoiners uh on the ground in ukraine ukrainian bitcoiners um did not want the government to get uh the, the ukrainian government to get bitcoin from the international community because they knew that Zelensky and crew were just going to give it to uh, a bunch of people to continue to destroy the country so you had individual bitcoiners on the ground in ukraine start their own little crowdfunding efforts where they weren't going to go buy weapons but they're going to go buy food and supplies to make sure the people on the ground were taken care of and um, awesome. 
that's the power of Bitcoin. Like that, they were able to do that because Bitcoin's a distributed network where you can just send money to anybody right. and nobody's going to stop you. And the U.S. or R- Russia is not going to be able to stop individuals from sending and receiving Bitcoin. Um, and you can have these little hodgepodge uh, sort of insurgencies. I don't know if that's too um, bombastic of a term, but you can have these sort of these groups within these war-torn areas um, not have to fall prey to um, their, their governments. Um, right. Especially a corrupt government yeah. like Ukraine. Uh, man. Yeah. There's... I mean, it's if you listen to the Martyr Made podcast on the history of um, the U.S.'s involvement in Ukraine, I mean, it's, I mean, it's undeniable that those in charge at the U.S. federal government level have been openly stoking... Uh, flames of war with russia for almost a decade now potentially two or three decades um yeah well uh, egregiously so in the past eight years i mean victoria newland's caught on 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 mike saying you know fuck the eu we're going to decide who's going to be the leadership of ukraine <laughs> like that's that and that, but this is this is the sad part is like this is this is sop this is standard operating procedure this is what the american government does they believe that they have the right to dictate who is the leadership in democratically elected countries. And this is why it's so offensive when they talk about, you know, we have to do everything to defend democracy in Ukraine against the autocrat Vladimir Putin. And it's like, you motherfuckers already decided who the leadership of Ukraine is. You don't believe in democracy at all. You don't believe in democracy in countless countries in the Middle East that you've toppled over, over my lifetime. Um, it's, they don't even believe it here in America. I mean, the and they certainly don't believe it. The here. WikiLeaks Hillary Clinton email dumps prove that the DNC like rigged the election against there Bernie. There you go. I think they yeah, don't care so, about it. Well, here. and not just not just Bernie, but also um, you know they they essentially attempted to coup Trump, and that that yeah. evidence is coming out this week. And Dave Smith, my my buddy, has been all over that story. He totally red pulled me on that three years ago. I knew I knew all of this. This is why it's like. It's it's almost exhausting because anybody who's actually doing their own research, we know everything that's happening years in advance, and then the the public comes around to it, and the media comes around to it, and we're like, yeah, that's fucking news from 2020. Like I'm on I'm on preventing World War Three now. You guys are talking about the election of 2020. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, they're all. I do think they're evil too. Again, I. <laughs> yeah, they are evil. Man. Tend, Come on. I tend to lean on incompetence because it provides like a. <laughs> Uh, more optimistic view of like, all right, they're incompetent. Us individuals can be more competent than they are. We compete on that level. But yeah, you do have to recognize these people have nefarious intentions a lot of the time. Um, I tend I think, to think that the voters aren't so evil, but the, the no, politicians, like the leadership God, no. is. You know? No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the voters wow. are just useful idiots. Yeah, they're they're along for the ride. Um, and that's obviously why you and I both try and try and reach out to people and, and try and let them know that there is there is another worldview that actually makes more sense. You know, the, all the cognitive dissonance that you're suffering under, you don't have to. Like, you can actually listen to people that are thinking critically and trying to tell you the truth, or you can continue in this path of having, you know, paid professional liars who aren't even that good at it. They're actually bad liars, but uh, you don't have to listen to them. You can actually move on. Uh, Jen Psaki got replaced by this lady who's, you know, even worse. And and I, I'm one of those people who... Uh, who takes solace in that, you know, when you have, when you have a really bad uh, professional liar, it's like, oh, well, this has to wake up more people. And, and I think that's the other reason I like the Trump presidency, even though I wasn't a huge Trump fan, just the fact that, um, 
the the media's willingness to drop the mask and show like yeah if you aren't totally in with them they will destroy you i mean they will spend four years lying about you and and um you know exaggerating all of your moral pitfalls and and concocting some of them which is hard to believe because there's plenty of stuff to hate uh, about trump but they still couldn't even roll with that they had to make up stuff whole cloth just totally fiction um uh, and like getting peed that, on yeah <laughs> exactly uh, and now you have 70 plus million you know uh like maga type voters that are are really uh feeling disenfranchised and uh and jaded and and i think that they're looking for another path it, i you know it's it's a major struggle though man if if someone like me who's you know i'm i'm almost 40 now and and i'm certainly in the know when it comes to finance and the fact that it took me so long to wrap my head around bitcoin and to get involved um it makes me you know fear that it's going to be a very long time before you kind of have a uh, a tipping point where the majority get on board do you do you think that it's it's ever going to be a majority or is it just kind of like you just you just you reach whoever you can i so i think in terms of what you just said it took you a lot, long time to wrap your head around it like i think could be wrong but i do think that the usability of the network particularly like the on and off ramps are getting to such a point where you don't even have to really understand how it works bitcoin continues to do what it has done for the last 13 years in terms of price appreciation like over over time like and we have on ramps that make it very easy for people to um, acquire bitcoin that they're not even really gonna have to understand the fact that there's only 21 million or that it's a distributed network they're just gonna know uh, that they know that inflation's happening, so there's some pit in their stomach that lets them know, like, maybe I should diversify away from this dollar on my balance sheet as a small business or an individual that's just melting away. And right. Bitcoin seems to be one of those options. And so we're getting to a point at the at the software layer of tools being built on Bitcoin where it's going to be really easy. Like today, Stripe, uh, which is one of the biggest payment processors in the world announced that they have an integration with this company OpenNode, uh, which is a, a basically Bitcoin software provider. And that's going to enable anybody that's using Stripe as a payment processor on the internet to immediately convert a percentage of their revenue into Bitcoin. Um, oh, wow. And so basically it's easier for people to access Bitcoin than it ever has before. And that pit in their stomach saying maybe they should diversify away from the dollar will lead them to say, all right, maybe I will convert 10% of the revenue coming in through my Stripe processing on the internet into Bitcoin just to see what happens. And if they do that for uh, a four-year period, historically, the price of Bitcoin has gone up uh, if you've held it uh, for at least four years. And they'll say, hey, this, right. this actually works. Maybe we'll move that 10 to 20. Um, you have Square or Block, uh, formerly Square, uh, which has, they're obviously, Jack is very bullish on Bitcoin and is working hard to integrate Bitcoin into all of their, their their whole stack. And so you can imagine a world where you have Stripe in the e-com world on the internet where they're enabling people running businesses on the internet to easily um, transition some of their revenue into Bitcoin. Imagine when Square implements that into their point-of-sale systems and they're 
one of the top point of sale providers in the country and you have anybody running a, a local coffee shop or a small business that uses a square terminal that can do the same thing in the physical world and can say, all right, it's anybody comes to my shop, I'm going to convert 10% of the revenue into Bitcoin. Um, and so I think in terms of uh, adoption, it's going to be easier than ever where you don't actually, as a business owner, you're not going to even need people to pay you in Bitcoin. They'll be able to pay you in dollars. And if you're a savvy business owner that wants to hedge dollar inflation, the ability to immediately transfer some of those dollars into Bitcoin is becoming much easier oh, man, that's, and that's within huge. a few clicks of a button. So I think within the next year or two, that's going to become a big trend. Um, and so at, when that happens, you, you, like... Like I say, people don't even really need to understand how Bitcoin works from uh, an Austrian economics perspective or a distributed network perspective. They just need to know that their savings is being better preserved in Bitcoin than it is in the dollars. Um, and they'll just intuitively continue to adopt it more or transition more of their revenues into Bitcoin. Yeah, and uh, ironically or perhaps logically, as the inflation uh, persists and perhaps gets worse, it uh, it it increases you know the bullishness behind Bitcoin and and the natural uh, human instinct to transition to it um, or to Bitcoin. So yeah, I yeah. think I, go ahead. Um, I didn't want to interrupt, but that that's like the beauty of it. Like they're and they're fucking up the money from multiple aspects. Not only they're like driving inflation, but as we see in Canada and even here in the United States, like they've weaponized the financial s system and yeah. the payments networks where. They can freeze your money and in bitcoin if you're securing it if you're holding your keys and you're using it properly they can't do that and so you you've seen it in the content in the media space particularly where you have content creators uh, saying particular things getting deplatformed from payment providers and that's you're driving them towards bitcoin so like everything the government does to try to stop good information um, and people from leaving the system is actually driving more and more people to Bitcoin via necessity. Right. Where yeah, for a lot of um, fringe content providers, uh, content producers, uh, like Bitcoin is literally the only way they can get paid. I mean, the <laughs> exactly. shining example of this is WikiLeaks back in 2011, right. 2012. They were forced to um, accept Bitcoin payments because they got deplatformed by PayPal, Visa, Mastercard. Um, and so, well, imagine as, had they held all those. <laughs> I think, that they, decade. I think they they have held a significant amount of them all right well good I, I don't know why i don't hear more from them if they got those kind of resources they ought to be doing incredible investigative reporting but maybe i'm just not paying attention because they're blacklisted everywhere um but no your your point's exactly right and and what was the the company that you said um is able to convert stripe payments directly into bitcoin open node open node okay i'm gonna look mm -hmm. into that uh the reason i ask is because I have a, a locals page, libertylockdown.locals.com. If anybody's listening and wants to support my work, you go there. Uh, the payments I receive there from subscribing members come to me in Stripe. So I will look into Open Node to convert straight to Bitcoin. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, man. And well, there's yeah, like, yeah. So that's like more central. That's like a more centralized solution. So like at TFTC, for my newsletter, what I'm trying to disrupt is like the payment, uh, the paywall. Um, where you go to like a Bloomberg article after you've read five in a month, they're like, hey, subscribe to this three-month subscription. Um, put in all your uh, payment information, your credit card, your address, all that, and then you can read this article. Well, like what we're building at TFTC on our stack, we use Ghost as our uh, CMS, as our content management system, which is open source, and then we're integrating that with an open source Bitcoin payment solution known as BTC Pay Server, 
And so we actually have, um, if I write three to five newsletters a week, the first three are free. Anything after that has a Lightning Network paywall. And so you have to give me 50 cents worth of Bitcoin to access the article. And the beauty of this is, uh, like, I own the content stack. It's open source. Uh, we're we're going to self-host that on servers that, that we control. So they can't control. I can't get shut down by, um, right. like, a sub stack or something like that. And then integrating that with BTC Pay Server, which is open source, and then we control the node that our server runs on um, those payments. So they can't shut to, off your payment. Yeah. So they come directly to my computer that I control. Um, there's some redundancy building as well. Um, if for some reason my computer goes down, I've trusted uh, individuals that have backups and will spin their node up and it'll receive payments on my behalf. And, um, oh, and so now, like, now you're making me optimistic again, Marty. Thank you. <laughs> last but certainly not least, is our friends over at careerhackers.com. Shout out to Isaac Morehouse for being our longest running sponsor. I absolutely love that guy. He's so smart. I got to get him back on, actually. Uh, go to uh, careerhackers.com to sign up for the daily job hunt. It is a once daily newsletter that hits your inbox every morning, gives you some information on how to become a better job applicant. And if you're looking at the economy right now, you might want to get serious about that, like right now. Go to careerhackers.com, sign up for the daily job hunt. It will give you some information on how to stand out to stand apart, to stand above your competition. And also, if you have entrepreneurial uh, inclinations, they can help you on that path as well. Careerhackers.com. The tools are here. We just need to get building. That's why it's like, yeah. we can sit here. No, I'm not saying you're doing this, but like in the mainstream debates, particularly like libertarians versus the behemoth parasitic system that we're up against. It's <laughs> like, I, I think we need to do both, like call out their malice their incompetence and um the bad road that they're taking us down but as we're doing that we should also be building this alternative system uh, where we just no render doubt, it completely no. obsolete it's like i don't need you anymore like i don't need yeah. even though like, you can pay in dollars to access uh, paid membership to our newsletter via stripe as well i do have that fallback period where for some reason if the Collison brothers decide they don't like what I'm putting out there and they shut me down. I have Bitcoin automatically and I just say, hey, the only way you can access this is by giving me Bitcoin. And it's just like, it's already there. Um, right. Oh, it's brilliant, man. I, I mean, these, uh, unfortunately, I, I do not have the, uh, the programmer background or I think I would be much more involved with the uh, entrepreneurial side of creating those, those outlets. But the good news is that um, you know, I do have a pretty in-depth financial background, so I, I'm I'm still interested in you know being a participant. Uh, once I sell my houses, I, I'll be able to actually invest more heavily into creating some of these technologies that we so desperately need. But more more urgently than that, I'm just trying to get myself into that kind of autonomous region where I I can't be shut down. Uh, obviously, I'm on YouTube right now, and it's only a matter of time before they nuke me. Um, just for telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, uh, you got to have your, as you said, you have to have your financial uh, avenues have to be independent. Your hosting has to be independent. Your marketing has to be independent. It, you have to just constantly uh, come up with redundancies and things like that to, so that when you get nuked from different areas, um, you can't, you can't fully be shut down. I'm just trying to reach as many people while I still can, while they still allow me to speak to a broader audience and then it'll just be a you know a word of mouth train at that point, I guess. Once they finally do come for me, yeah. I, 
do you think that there's a, a trend where that's shifting? I mean, the I struggle to believe that Elon's um, as good a guy as as he purports himself to be, but at the same time, it's hard for me not to take some hope that there's a billionaire out there that that is looking to purchase one of the major social media outlets and and say at least give lip service to the idea that you no, know, we have to be able to speak openly and honestly to one another, or else you know society collapses. Uh, where, do you have any take on him? Uh, Elon's very confusing. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I'm so confused by the guy. I know. Um, I don't know. I do hold on. I mean, I, I mean they have, uh, they have like kicked the hornet's nest that is Elon Musk. They pissed him off to a point where it's like, all right, if you're going to do this to me, I'm going to spend my billions to fuck right. up your plans. I could certainly see that playing out. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, I've, I've had Jack Dorsey on the show, and I, I think. Oh, interesting. He, I spoke with him outside of the show, and I think he is not happy with the end state of Twitter as it is today and would like to see somebody like Elon come in and clean it up. And I think what he's doing at Block, again, it all comes back to the money. We need to fix the money. And then everything else, I think, you build on top of that, and all these problems will be solved over time. And that's why... I actually I actually agree with you. I just, I just tweeted out yesterday, I think that... You know, I said America tiptoed into fascism in 1913 and never looked back. Um, I really believe that, like, once you got away from any semblance of sound money, that's that's the root of all evil. That's like that's where you get um, income inequality and every everything that's really tearing this country apart right now is a product of the money. So you're right. If you fix the money, you do fix the world. I, I really believe that. I know it sounds yeah. sounds I mean, trite, but I, it's I think it's true. No, I mean, going back to the conversation about like. Religion and Christianity specifically. I mean, Jesus went in and fucking flipped the tables of the money changers. Like, <laughs> exactly. it's one of those lessons. It's like, yeah, like maybe we should. I mean, we've been warned throughout history. Aristotle, Jesus, uh, many other pivotal individuals Ron, in human Ron history. Paul. Yeah, Ron Paul. <laughs> and like, don't fuck up the money. We've been told literally right. across the course of thousands of years, like, don't fuck up the money. Don't fuck up the money. Don't fuck up the money. Uh, and we've fucked up the money. And it's just all right, like. <laughs> We like again. That's why I focus on Bitcoin because I think that's the core of the problem is the money. We fix that, and you can begin fixing the things uh, that that are above money on the stack of human civilization. And yeah, now going back to like Jack and Elon, that's I would love for Elon to come in and really um, piss in the the punch bowl of the people that are openly censoring. I mean, the Project Veritas. Uh, investigations uh, that have Incredible. been coming out or i mean it's it's undeniable that there's political bias at twitter uh, at some levels at least uh, they're, they're self-described communists <laughs> i was yeah. like okay cool <laughs> yeah i mean it needs to happen and if not i mean you have people like andrew torba building gab uh, you mentioned locals you have all these other platforms popping up as a response to this i would like um, in an ideal world for me, I would like to see Twitter write the ship and just allow everybody to speak their mind um, because I do think it is the greatest communication tool that we have come into contact with and on a societal level. I mean, it's how we met. Um, and, exactly. Uh, I would like to see that fixed, but if it isn't, there are people building alternatives and something right. will, will rise in its ashes. But um, yeah, that's bring it back to like Jack and Elon. It would be great to see Elon take over write that ship. I'm very happy to see Jack focused on block and integrating Bitcoin throughout that whole corporate stack, um, getting it into the hands of the masses. Uh, I think his attention and his focus 
on block is much more important uh, than any focus you could put on Twitter at this given yeah. point in time. Well, given that it had gotten uh, what it, it appears that it had gotten out of his control anyways, I, I, since you've had an opportunity to speak with Jack Dorsey, I'm curious if you have an opinion on this, how, how is it that a guy who's, you know, reading Rothbard and understands Bitcoin to such a deep level um, that he doesn't see the problem with, you know, banning the president of the United States from his platform. Uh, like he said, it was a mistake in hindsight, but at the same time, like he was the guy there. Like, I, I just don't, I don't think that that gets authorized without him giving a thumbs up or at least a passive, like, okay, do what you have to do. Uh, it just, it mystifies me that he's allowed that to happen. Yeah. I don't think he had as much control as people thought. I think there's a lot of okay. shareholder interest that, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he said it on Twitter. He said it to me. Like, it was like <laughs> banning Trump was like the worst day of his time at Twitter. Um, okay, so it was probably against his will. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Uh, it's just, it's like if you're going to talk about fucking defending democracy, you can't ban the, ban the sitting president of the United States. I mean, and I, as I've said, I'm not a big Trump fan, but it's just like if they were to ban Biden, I'd feel the same way. It's just insane. It's just absolutely insane. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, it all went downhill when they kicked off Alex Jones. <laughs> it, it's true. Was, I mean, was... first they came for Alex Jones and then they came for blah and then they came for you know, yeah. and there was no one left when they came for me. I, it really was. Alex was the first first uh canary in the coal mine yeah i mean um, like if we continue going down this path it's going to be you're going to get banned for talking about inflation it's like uh, no no bullshit i fucking youtube came out today and said that they will be banning people based off of misinformation about abortion i'm like what misinformation what yeah i mean <laughs> i i mean i i just got out of youtube jail i had uh i've gotten three strikes in the last year luckily I didn't have three within a three-month period, so I didn't get fully kicked off. But yeah, I've, I've been talking about the uh, adverse effects of the jab, and uh, they did not like that. I, I mean, I had I got two strikes for having two doctors on to talk about it, and um, of course, Doc uh, Well, I mean, doctors don't know what they're talking about, man. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, trust the science. Well, that's what, trust I mean. the science, but not the doctors. That's the that's the lesson there. Uh, it. I mean, it's just. It's just so transparent that they're not interested in science or, you know, any sort of like actual in-depth consideration of all the facts. Like if like that, what we are doing is actually part of science where we are challenging, uh, you know, hypotheses and and trying to come up with uh, alternative answers to things like that's that is part of the scientific process, contrary to to YouTube's beliefs. Um, so fuck you guys. Sorry. Yeah, I, no, I mean, it's like well, I'm staring <laughs> at 1984. It's like right now, like. <laughs> They're literally changing definitions. Like trust the science. It's like science is a process. It's not like a yeah. a fact that is just written. It's not out. a destination. No. <laughs> it's uh. Oh, yeah. God. Again, I'm. Uh, that's another thing. Like, uh, talk about the jab specifically. I, I think that's another theme that's going to be popping up. Has become blatantly obvious with oh, the, yeah. the Pfizer docs and uh, the excess deaths and the data that's coming from life insurance companies specifically, like it's going to be undeniable. And so you're going to have price inflation, you're going to have commodity shortages, and you're going to have this vaccine narrative sort of coalescing together again, I believe this fall, where people are going to be like, holy shit, how are they wrong about all this? And you're going to have that complete collapse in confidence, particularly around the vaccine, where it's like, oh, you forced this into hundreds of millions of us. And it Billions. turns out 
turns out hundreds of millions in america yeah yeah it turns out to be actually a terrible decision like how how could we listen to you about anything else at least that's what maybe it's wishful thinking but um i think the 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 combination of everything sort of coming together at once is is going to be too much for any individual no matter how far their head is in the sand to to not realize like all right maybe maybe these people don't have our best interests at heart yeah well i still think there there will be some individuals that are still like no no fauci was right about everything but uh, i think you're absolutely right though that you know if if people are struggling to eat and they're also dealing with some sort of uh health impact from their decision over the past couple years well uh yeah you might you might see more and more people start to really question what the hell happened to them over the past couple years um so the uh, the latest trend, or it's not even that recent, but there has been a trend where the the left is completely on board with whatever it takes to stop and topple Vladimir Putin. Then my concern is that you you simultaneously have this propagandistic push from the right wing uh, to take on China, and it's not to say that either Putin or China are are good. You know the 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 governments there. I'm not defending them at all. However. Uh, they are the two most significant military powers with the most nukes compared to America uh, on the planet. And I have no interest in fighting a hot war with either of them because that sounds like fucking suicide. Uh, and and with the left, who has historically been the quote-unquote anti-war, even though oftentimes they were not, uh, being willing to go to war with Russia, it appears, and the right salivating for war against China because of whether they think the Wuhan lab or whatever their reasoning is the uh, you know, Trump really helped with that sort of anger uh, because of the, the uh, trade deficit and things like that, which I, I don't think are, are huge problems, but there were other problems with China for sure. Um, how do we, how do we stem the tide of that? Uh, because oftentimes when you have uh, you know, a people that are, are very upset, the government itself will try and distract and say, well, it's not us. I mean, they've been doing that with the inflation. They've been saying the Putin price hike, and it's all about Putin, Putin, Putin. Um, and then you had the GOP that says, oh, well, China is the one taking your jobs. And, you know, you, we have all this animus towards them. Um, it seems like they are they are leading us down a path where they could externalize the anger that's within this country that is justifiable and project that onto these two significant nuclear powers. Is that, how do you yeah, see that? I mean... It's certainly the potential for that coming to fruition is, is uh, we can be cons- consider considerably high. Yeah. Um, though, yeah, I mean, maybe somebody will be like, oh, Marty, you're spewing some America first propaganda. But like, we have, like, look around. We're fat as fuck. Uh, a drug epidemic. You have. Uh, like people living lives of des- uh, quiet desperation here in the United States. Like we need to fix shit here first. And, and, and we're and, drowning in debt too. Yeah. And we're drowning in debt. And like what I would really like to see is a narrative. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Ron DeSantis. I don't even know if it's a politician. Maybe it's somebody outside of politics that says, Hey, maybe we should look internally and, and try to uh, get our own house in order. Um, that's why I'm optimistic about people like Michael Schellenberger in california who's really driving that narrative home in california specifically is like hey let's look at san francisco let's look at our energy policy here like we need to uh fix ourselves here in california and like clean up the streets in san francisco and la and get our energy policy correct um really 
his message, if you've been following his campaign, has been really like introspective uh, at the California level. It's like, hey, let's look at the mistakes that we've made as a state over the last few decades and let's try and fix ourselves here. I would like to see that type of narrative um, become more broadly accepted uh, across the United States where we say, hey, so desperately needed. We're fat as fuck. We're in debt. <laughs> we're uh, energy insecure in a lot of places. We're food insecure. Yes, China does have a lot of our supply chain maybe instead of like trying to get in a hot war with them we should try to spin up some manufacturing over here or mexico and canada and, right and bring things closer to home onshore more of our productive cast capacity um that's what i would hope but yeah i mean these kleptocrats these psychopaths that are in control of the federal government are they don't want that and so they will um try to lay blame on on china and russia and um try to drag everybody into a hot war um but again i certainly on the table and already posturing like they want to do that um i don't think it's the right decision uh, and no. again that's just a matter of can individuals like yourself myself and others who are providing alternative um information sources or information uh, avenues get into the minds of enough people to say and that's the thing too at the end of the day it's like i say this on tftc a lot it's a decision it's just like people literally standing up and saying no we're not doing this like yeah. like that you don't have to agree with everything gandhi said but like that was very powerful i believe in i still believe in the power of civil and corporate disobedience like we just need people who deep down i, I truly believe most people are good people who just want to put food on the table and hang out with their family and friends like we just need that that quiet majority that silent majority to stand up and say no like yep. we're not doing this and not only can you stand up again i'm gonna bring it back to bitcoin on the bitcoin guy but like not only can you stand up and vocalize like no we're not doing this you say all right no we're not doing this and i'm going to defund you by adopting a currency that you don't control um and again i think that's the most powerful form of protest that we have today is bitcoin it's like number one use your voice uh if, definitely speak up against this uh and and don't be a part of the silent majority like stand up and say what you believe you, nobody wants to get in a hot war with china and then number two all right not only am i going to say no we don't want to do this but like no i'm not going to allow you to do this because i'm not going to allow you to fund it because we're adopting this money that you don't control yeah we're going to defund you motherfuckers i know i i totally agree and um I, I, along those lines of of defunding, uh, what I've kind of become a spokesperson for over the past six months, since I discovered it thanks to having James Lindsay on my show, which is once again a product of you know the incredible nature of the internet, where like minded people just end up meeting each other as you and I. James, James, if you're listening, please unblock me on Twitter. We need to talk too. Oh man, yeah, geez, um, yeah, James is incredible, and his his work has been invaluable to me. Um, he put me on the trail and then I've, I've been like a, a dog after a bone trying to figure out this, uh, this ESG stuff, because as a, as a high finance guy, I understand the, uh, you know, the motivations when you put trillions of dollars at the end of a rainbow, you get a lot of fucking crazy behavior. And, uh, and that's what we're witnessing. Um, so uh, have you, are, are you privy to ESG at all in the, oh yes okay. yes i i've been on the i've been beating the esg drum for a few years now um because mm. uh um, oh, og i love it 
we uh so in the bitcoin mining industry the, the bitcoin mining industry has been dragged into this because of the e part of things uh, bitcoin of mining course. is very energy intensive and so what we've seen here particularly in the north american bitcoin mining industry is a lot of publicly traded miners who need access to public capital have been trying to frame their businesses within the esg framework uh to access capital and uh, if you again i'm sure you understand but if you you if you know esg it's not really about making the world uh, a better environmentally socially, or <laughs> from a corporate governance <laughs> standpoint it's all about control and so i've been beating the drum in the bitcoin mining industry is like stop catering to the esg narrative because at the end of the day no matter how many renewable energy sources you're using to mine bitcoin no matter how many carbon offsets you're buying like they don't care about that at all they they're going to control you at some point yep. uh, they're going to say all right like you guys checked off this e box now like let's go to s like oh we're we're actually going to need you the bitcoin miners to censor these transactions uh, that we don't like coming from addresses of people we don't like and that's when it starts to bleed into the protocol level. Um, I don't, we Bitcoin, cannot allow that. It would only affect the, the North America, I need to be clear, it would only affect North American Bitcoin miners and it would make them less profitable in the long run because those transactions will be mined by people in other parts of the world that don't give a fuck gotcha. about ESG. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but there's, God bless them. There's been a big trend in the Bitcoin mining industry in North America to cater to this movement for years now. And so, like, yeah, like I had Michael Saylor on my show. Uh, a couple years ago and he was really beating this drum and I got a lot of shit for it at the time but I called him out I was like stop doing this like you're you, you, it seems like the right thing to do and we, like it, it comes from and a lot of people you talk to in the industry will admit it they're like yeah I don't care about ESG but we need to appease these people to uh, get from A to B and it's like no like once you get to B like there's going to be a C, a D, an E, and an F and they're just going to like put their hands around your neck even tighter and strangle exactly. you you're putting your own. head in the noose, man. Stop it. Exactly. And so, yeah, I'm privy to ESG. ESG is communistic bullshit. It's a, it's literally a centrally planned, an attempt to centrally plan capital allocation, which at the end of the day is an attempt to centrally plan economies. I mean, that's that's what ESG is. Communism 101. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an attempt to centrally plan not only like industries, but like thought too. Like when you get to the S oh, and yeah. the G and that's where like critical race theory and all these insane uh, social policies leak in as well. And it's, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't think people have extrapolated this out to understand like this is, this is why aside from the fact that you have all of these college students that are coming out of college with these Marxist profession, professors that have indoctrinated them into this, this worldview, this is why corporate America is doing it. It's not about, uh, you know, the consumer demand as much as it, as it is the funding side demand. Like if you don't if you don't uh, you know, perpetuate this narrative that white people are evil and everybody else is a victim, well, then you're not uh, up to getting uh, the potential of 10 or 20 trillion dollars worth of funding from State Street, BlackRock, Vanguard, all these guys across the board. And it's it's the most nefarious thing I have ever come across in my life. And that that comes from a libertarian who, you know, who hates every aspect of the government. It is bigger and worse than anything I could ever imagine because it's not even a national level problem. It is a global issue. They are going after multinational corporations which are responsible for the product, you know, the majority of production across the world. It is so fucking dangerous. So 
I wanted to ask you, now that I know that you are a kindred spirit in this fight, and God bless our audience for putting us in contact, because I have immediately fallen in love with you, the fact that you would <laughs> communist bullshit right off the bat. Um, how does Bitcoin fix this? Okay, it defunds their ability to do this. Like the capital, BlackRock specifically, I mean, they have direct access to the Fed window. I mean, when the, they turned on the money printers and... March and April of 2020, Jerome Powell tapped Larry Fink on the shoulder and said, hey, we need you to help us buy all these corporate bonds. And they profited from that off the fees of, of just being a facilitator of that those asset purchases. So they, they profited via proximity to the money printer just because they had access to uh, the Fed window where this money was being distributed from. And they were able to profit with no actual work and so like under a bitcoin standard where you don't have a fed window you don't have the ability to print money and purchase all these assets and then make fees for facilitating those types of transactions like you're not a profitable business and so you're forced to actually provide value to the world and you don't you're not able to uh, dictate policies at the the corporate boardroom level because of uh, the, the power you have with the money that, that you're throwing around. Um, yeah. And then, eh, and then on top of that, like, uh, Bitcoin gives power back to the individual, right? Like where BlackRock's really driving the ESG narrative and they're able to do that because they have trillions of dollars in assets and their assets come mainly from people who are playing, putting their money in the market so that they can beat inflation to have a nest egg at the end of the day under a bitcoin standard like you don't need to do that you don't need to go seek yield in financial assets to actually be able to retire you can actually save money and a good monetary good and you don't have Man. to go speculate markets and give blackrock your money to to allocate to these equities to outperform inflation you're able to just save a nest egg in an asset that's going to appreciate over time as more and more people demand it to operate throughout the economy and so you, you, you defund them in two ways uh, they don't have access to the fed window where they're able to profit uh, just via privilege of access to that mechanism and then two there you don't need a seven trillion dollar asset manager to allocate money for you can just save in bitcoin and so you, you take power from them uh, in two ways there oh, that was glorious man i got i got chills when you said that the you know that allows retirees or, or savers more broadly to to stop chasing yield uh because that's really what creates these everything bubbles which is what we have been experiencing for the past two years just watching all, every asset class skyrocket um it's just about people trying to to cover their debt burden and to also make a little bit more money than inflation to keep their head above water and and ultimately that game ends in disaster and it's almost always the little guy that ends up holding the bag as someone who witnessed it in 0809 you know intimately i saw you know, the poorest people in the country get poorer and the rich get richer. And it's just, if that cycle continues, my, my greatest fear is that you'll have a populist uprising that, that prefers uh, or demands, you know, Marxist type things, <laughs> you know, yeah. they, even though this is all a product of the, of the state interference in the economy, they don't understand that. So they're going to demand that the state interfere in the economy even more. And the cycle just gets worse and worse and worse and the lockdowns get worse and the totalitarianism gets worse. And it's like that. That's why I believe, you know, we're in a race against time here to to try and educate people as to why they are suffering economically, why 
this is this it doesn't have to be this way and and i'm i'm so grateful that there are people like you out there that are are helping helping me get this message out there um go ahead and tell people where they can follow you and we'll get out of here yeah so uh twitter is where i hang out most of the time at marty bent um if you want to check out the podcast it's tftc colon a bitcoin podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, whichever you prefer, and then uh, the website where you can find my newsletter and uh, the podcast as well is tftc.io. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marty. This has been uh, one of my favorites, and I, I hope we can do it again in the future. Clint, it was my pleasure. I can't wait to do it again. Thanks, brother. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, I loved this conversation with Marty. I really hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. You know what's a really good way to support the show? If you don't have money to, to become a supporter over at libertylockdown.locals.com, share it. These are valuable conversations that can really help people. And uh, if you agree, maybe you don't, maybe you hated it. I doubt it if you watch it all the way to the end. Uh, but if you agree, share it. Share it with some people. Send it around. Post it on social media. Take some clips. Throw them up there. Help me with the marketing because I'm an old boomer and I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Uh, and last but not least, if you want to buy any of our Liberty Lockdown merch, go to toplobster.com. Love you guys. I will catch you next time. We're out. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feppin' A typo in Luke might bring the nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government, just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic a rip of 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought you've always got a home The virus is scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this don't get treated like a hoe